0: But how you saw prayer, um, I'm probably going to um, say some things that's going to make you question how you kind of um, dealt with prayer. But, hey, we're, we, we want the truth, not our tradition. Everybody have tradition. I know the apostolic church is about the closest to following the scriptures as the Lord intended for them to follow, but we also have some tradition that we need to make sure we take care of. Um, so you might, you, you might um, encounter a couple of tradition that you're saying, what? All right. Let's look at why daily prayer is so vital. We were created to have fellowship with God. There was no other part of creation that was given the privilege that human beings were given which is fellowship, dialogue, and communication with the creator. So remember what I always say, monologue is one way. Monologue is you communicating to God and and never waiting for God to communicate to you. But God created us and designed us for dialogue. For us to have dialogue back and forth, God created us so we can have communion with Him. So it's it's going to be an interaction, not not I tell you what I want and you just do it and I'm on my way, or God tell you what you want and and He's on His way. Um, God wants to have communion with you. Did you know that God wants fellowship with you? God wants God want you and Him to have. You know, well, for you to sit down and just say, God, I would love for your presence to just 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 be here with me where I can sense that your presence is here. I just want you to be, you know, manifested right here in my presence so we can have dialogue and so we can have fellowship. That's God's intent for our life. And it's okay to sit still and say, God, I just desire your presence. I want to be able to experience your presence while I'm sitting here because I'm here because I want fellowship with you. It's okay to say that to the Lord because the Lord wants to have fellowship with you. So understand that. Here's a scripture that will help us. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door i will come into him and will sup with him and he with me now this is a a powerful scripture we touched on this a little bit the other day but it's something that we constantly look at this is one this is a text that i look at a lot so i kind of um have a lot of thoughts of this scripture and the first thing i want to want you to think about is the scripture says behold i stand at the door and knock right so if he's standing at the door and knocking it means it's not his house if he's standing at the house at the door and knocking only strangers knock owners have keys so if it was something that he owns and had control over he wouldn't be knocking so he says behold i stand at the door and knock So, again, you see how the Lord operate, and we have to really understand this about Jesus Christ. I always say it, but I will continue to say it. He's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on you. He's not going to make you uh, receive him. You have to decide you're going to receive him. That's one of our big problems that we have, because folks just have this image of God that he's so powerful that he's going to just do whatever he wants to do. Now, there are some things that he just does because he's God and he needs to do it. But when it comes down to the relationship between us and him, if you're waiting for him to force his way in, you can forget it. It's not going to happen. This is our proof. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's saying, it's not my house. It's your house. And I'm knocking. And it says, if any man hear my voice. Now we have a challenge here because... He's knocking at the door and he's also saying hello. Hello, it's me. So Jesus is knocking and and and, and announcing himself. And the question now is will you open the door? He's knocking and identifying himself the question is will you open the door and that's what we're faced with a lot in just so many instances as we're trying to live for God he wants to get involved with you but he's going to do it in a gentlemanly way he's not going to force his way and so we just take for granted that God is going to do whatever he wants and God is saying have you studied who I am have you learned my ways as to how I operate I never just force my way in on people. I am going to give you the opportunity to receive me. So he's knocking, identifying himself, identifying himself and saying, if you open the door, then I'll come in. And so the issue is there's a lot of us that Jesus want to come in and fellowship with us, but we won't open the door. And if we don't open the door and give him the access and the opportunity to fellowship with us, then there's a lot of things we're going to lose out on. So that's what we first got to discover about the Lord Jesus Christ is he does not force himself on us. And many of us are waiting for God to do something when it's the other way around. Many of God will you and God is saying, That's not the order. That's not how I do things. I've been here knocking and announcing. You're just not doing your part. You're not letting me in. You're not giving me an opportunity. He says, I will come in with him. Right. And will sup with him. Now, obviously, it's your house. So when you let him in, it's still your house. You're in charge. And so he comes in, let me get you something to eat, let me get you something to drink, and you're sitting there, and you're you're making sure you get something to eat, something to drink, and you're having conversation. But you're in charge. And he's not going to do anything until you ask him to do something. So here's how it goes. A lot of people read this text and miss the part where he says, so I can sup with him and he with me. What he's saying is, after you have hosted me, I want to host you in your house. So what he's saying in essence is, you let me in. You're going to do what you do because it's your house and you're going to be nice to the host, take care of the host. But because I am who I am, I want the table to turn after a minute so I can also host you and take care of you. And so a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people, Christians, were serving God. And we never give God the opportunity to take care of us. not the way we think because here is how we think we, we think we can tell God what to do. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is, go back to Mary being at the feet of Jesus. so when we when we host the Lord and and we're just glad, how do we host the Lord? Through our worship and through our prayer, we host the Lord. We're saying to him, I love you. I adore you. That's you hosting him. But at some point in time, he's saying, let me return the favor. Right? It's like what we like to say. When I kid sometimes, I said, if I'm giving you $20, don't say to me, no, 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 no because we have to minister one to another so we both can be blessed. If it's only happening one way, only one person is being blessed. So if we let Jesus in and 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 all we're doing is let me do this and let me do that, and let me do this, let me do that. Okay, you, you you're blessed from a standpoint is you're you're able to do something for the Lord. But how much more powerful it is when the Lord do something for you. And so we're expecting God a lot of times to do things for us. And he's saying, you're in charge. You're controlling everything. What can I do? So behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I'm knocking and calling your name. If you let me hear my voice and hear my knock and open the door, I'll come in. I'll come in your house and I'll sit with you and you can do what you want to host me but give me an opportunity to host you in your house. And so that's what God is trying to get us to understand. Let me give you another example of that. Here's a big example of that. In the Bible, the word of God says, I'm going to mess with um, us apostolics. The Bible says in Joel chapter 2, Um, where it says, Behold, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Was there any criteria for him to pour out his spirit upon all flesh? Did he say, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh that will believe me? Did he say, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh who obey me? You go to, you look at that. He never said, this is messing with our theology. I told you, there's some things I will talk to you about because it's important. And there's other things I won't say anything about because it's not that important. But there's some things we traditionally hold to that's really not God's view of his word. Let me say it that way, God's view of his word. And so God promised that he will pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. He did not put anything in there to say, you know, he will, if you do this, he just said, I will. So here is what we don't realize as uh, folks that's been in church for a long time. It doesn't take a whole lot to receive the Holy Ghost. (laughs) We're we're making it like, oh my God, he already said I'm just going to pour it out. Go back to that receiving thing again. Are you going to receive it? Just like he says, I stand at the door and knock. Are you going to receive him? So he's pouring it out. You just got to receive it. But the same terminology of what I just showed you, or the same way of how I just showed you that, God is saying, until you give me permission to do my thing, I can't do it. So, what we need to learn about the Holy Ghost is God pours out his Holy Ghost. We can receive it, but he's ineffective in our life because we never now allow him to have control of our life. <laughs> So we get a lot of people that receive the Holy Ghost. Talking tongues and all that good stuff. And that's cool. We're supposed to. But when we do that, we're still in charge. We let him in our heart. He's now occupying our life. Occupying our life. And we are dictating the terms as he's occupying our life. And not until we say, God. You have the control. Not until we do that and act like that, will he now begin to manifest himself in our life. So there's a lot of people have the Holy Ghost and he's dormant because you're in charge of your life. It wasn't no big thing for you to get it. God already said, I'll pour out my spirit. Yeah, he never said all repented flesh. I know we go through the whole thing of saying you need to repent and then we're going to pray the prayers of faith and God's going to fill you. I hear all that. and Don't change that. But if you want to take God at his word, God, you said you're pouring out your spirit upon all flesh. So why don't we have the Holy Ghost? If we take him at his word. And so if he pouring it out and we're receiving it, then all good. The power is not in receiving it. The power is in letting him have the power once he come in your life. So when you think about prayer, we pray and us I sometimes what we say, the spirit give us the utterance and quicken us and now we're talking in tongues. That's all good. But who is in charge? Because until he is now in charge, where it says, and I will sup with you and you with me until he is in charge and he is running the show. In your life, you are limited in what can happen in your life because you're in control. And so the biggest issue with our life is we're in control. And even us Christians, and some of us have been living this a long time, but we're in control. And as long as we're in control... It doesn't matter how long you have the Holy Ghost. If you're in control, God can't do what he needs to do. And because he's a gentleman, he's not going to override you. He's waiting for you to turn it over to him. So prayer is not how we used to view it. Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, Saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected, expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Mm hmm. Five things prayer will do. Let me make this um, declaration here. Let me tell you this. When I prepared this manual, I've learned more since then. So there are some things in this manual I'm not agreeing with now, but I agreed with then. And I'll tell them to you as we go along here. Five things prayer will do. A. Prayer gets your spirit closer to His. I don't really agree with that. Prayer gets you focused and aware of His presence. Prayer gets you focused and aware of his presence why are you saying that and not what the book says preacher because god is present everywhere always at once so when we say we're getting closer uh, that, that might not be biblically correct that we're getting closer to god no what we're doing is we're becoming aware of what god is saying we're becoming aware of what god is doing so when we pray it makes us a little bit more focused in. It makes us a little bit more aware of his presence. That's what it does more than us saying, oh, I got closer to him. You can, He's in you. You see what I mean? How we can get some traditional things going? If he's in you, how much more closer can you get? That's why the Bible says he's sticking closer than what? Okay, so he can't get any closer if he's in you. So we can't say prayer make you closer. He's in you. But prayer will make you more focused. Prayer will make you become more aware of what's going on with him and what he's doing. So that's what I mean by things have changed over the years as you study more. So that's the first thing that prayer will do. Second thing, prayer changes your attitude. I fully agree with that. So when you pray, your attitude changes. This is why it's not good that we don't pray. Because when you don't pray, your attitude is not good. When, when you don't pray, you, 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 you live your life in default. Right? The default is my, my history. The, 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 the default is my tradition. The default is my history. The default is my flesh. So when we don't pray, we just, without even knowing it, we just default on and rely on the natural things of this world and of the human behavior, the natural things. And the natural things can't do anything with the spiritual things. Spiritual and natural is different. So if you rely on natural to help you with spiritual, you're going to fail every time. But if you want To uh, experience spiritual, then you're going to have to attend to spiritual things. Make sense? So, if we don't pray, our attitude is going to stay in the natural. And we won't be able to correspond with the spiritual. Prayer affects the enemy. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that one. Oh, Lord. Another thing we dealt with a little bit. I'll talk about this probably two Sundays from now. Teach you something about um, the enemy. But I'll tell you this tonight. The Bible says we have been given power over the power of the enemy. I can't say this enough, but Satan don't have any power. The only Power Satan has is the power we give to him. Go back in the garden. The only power he will ever have is the power we give to him. And if we read our Bibles clear, we'll see that's kind of what Jesus came and demonstrated that. Let me snatch this power away from you so you understand man still does have the power. Because that's what Jesus did in the garden. He gave man the authority over everything. And man allowed the devil to take the power from him. So the only power Satan will ever have is the power we give to him. How do we give Satan power? You ready for this one? Through fear. Devil mad I went up into the mountains. (laughs) He meant the devil mad the Wi-Fi had tripped out and we couldn't talk and couldn't correspond because I really did get some stuff in me. But the way he gets us is when we become fearful. So when fear grips you, the devil has taken over. And that's what he works off. The fear that's now running in your life. And the only reason why you're going to have fear is because... You're not experiencing perfect love in your life. The Bible says God is love. So I'll give you this to hold on to until I get to the message a couple Sundays from now. (laughs) When Satan attacks you, you have to speak the word of God and say, that's what I believe, Satan, not what you're trying to make me think. That's how, you, that's, how you, that's how you deal with them. So when you begin to feel fear coming in your life, you need to start saying, Jesus loves me. Jesus says, I'm the apple of his eye. Jesus said he will never leave me nor forsake me. Jesus has all power in heaven, in earth. Jesus has all authority and I don't care what I feel and I don't care what I'm dealing with. Jesus is my God and he has all power and he reigns in my life. That's what you got to say. And devil, I don't believe you have no power. Throw that one in there. I don't believe you have no power, devil. You can hold on to that, church. That's how you defeat fear. That's how you defeat fear. That's how you defeat the devil. I don't believe you have any power to do anything because Jesus has all power. You put that out there and let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Remember when Elijah had all the prophets of Baal? Listen, what did he do? He put... His God on the spot and their God on the spot. Let's see who God shows up. We gotta, that's kind of the, that's kind of like the way you do it. So put your God on the spot and put Satan on the spot. That's how you defeat fear. Devil, I don't believe you can do anything to me. Because God is all powerful and he is my shield and my buckler. You can't do anything to me. I don't believe that. Put it out there and see who prevail in your life. And let me also say this. Don't even worry about it if you are in good relationship or not with God. He died for us while we were yet sinners. Don't forget that. We think every time we mess up, we're in a bad place. Nonsense. He died for you even when you wasn't right. So it don't mean because I'm not right right now that that ain't my God. That's still my God. I just got to get it right. He's still my God, devil. You ain't my God. Jesus is my God. I might be not with everything I need to be with Jesus right now, but He is my God, and He's all powerful, and He's the one that defeat. The, 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 he's the one that will defeat you and defend me. We got to know that. So don't let the devil punk you and 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 make you think, oh, you just messed up. So Jesus, you can't go and talk about Jesus. You're, no, He's still my God, baby. Mm -hmm. So that's how we deal with the the devil. He don't have any power. He doesn't have any power. And the bottom line is, it's only by the words of God that we will defeat him. And we just got to put him out there. Don't let him intimidate you because God has already set things in order. You have more power. You have power over the devil because he don't have any power unless you give it to him. So prayer changes your attitude. Prayer, not worry about it affects, affecting the enemy because I can speak to the enemy and affect him myself. So don't take prayer for me to affect Satan. I can speak to that joker. If he want to show up, I'll deal with him. Because I don't need to pray about that. God already said I have power over the enemy. I don't need to negotiate with him. I don't need to pray about that. I've got power over him. So prayer don't put power over him. You already have the power. That's what I mean by some things you have learned will change. Prayer changes heaven. That ain't right. Man. Um, huh. Anybody know what sovereign mean? For lack of a better word and probably easiest way, the definition of sovereignty is all powerful. Absolute. He has absolute power. Anybody know what omniscient means? Means he's all knowing. So if he have absolute power and he's all knowing, how would you change stuff that's going on? Now, that's where I'm saying our prayer thing is kind of messed up because we think we can pray something that God need to do. How accurate is that if God knows how to do everything? He's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he can do anything. So why do we think that we can change something? You don't think he already knows the results? You don't think he already knows what he's going to do in your life? And so we sometimes make it seem like, okay, um, I changed God's mind. Like, for instance, here's an example. Some of you, Bible scholars, might be thinking this. Abraham negotiated with God. So we use that to say we can change anything. Here is where we missed it. God was already going to do what he was going to do. He knew Abraham was going to negotiate. He knew all that stuff. But all he was trying to show Abraham is, I'm a just God, and if five be righteous, I will not spare it. But I already know five ain't righteous. He already knew that the numbers Abraham was coming up was not legit. So he kept on with him, because that's his boy. Dialogue. So he already knew it ain't going to be that many righteous, but I'll just play play along with your game, Abraham. And so, okay, if 40 be righteous, our spirit. But the all-knowing God knows 40 ain't righteous. So I can play your game, Abraham. So we use that to say we change God's mind. I beg to differ. So we don't change heaven. We don't change heaven. So that... You can cross out in your book. We don't change heaven. God is sovereign and God is omniscient. He's all powerful and all knowing. So. He don't have to change his mind is what I'm saying. If you all powerful and you're all knowing, why would you have to change your mind? He already know what you're going to say before you say it. He already know what you're thinking before you think it. So why would he ever have to change his mind? we started thinking that we're changing God's mind and we're making heaven different because we pray so hard. Yes, yes, Brother Henry, go ahead. Uh hmm Uh-huh. 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 All right, so here's, what I'm, here's a secret I'm going to give this church so you understand. Remember, I always tell you, learn who God is more than you want to learn the word of God because you won't know all the meaning because it's coming from the Greek and the Hebrew. and You might not get all the meaning, but when you learn the ways of God, you will get stuff. So here is the, the thing about God in a nutshell and why you will hear me talk the way I'm talking. In a nutshell, God's number one, Number 1 purpose for humans is that we know him. That challenges everybody cuz we want him to think we want to think about blessing. We want to think about him working on our behalf. His number 1 desire is that human know him. Nothing go above that. When you know that, then your approaches work differently. So to answer your question, God allows some things to transpire and to be written so we can know about him. Don't send me back up in the hills. So there's a lot of things that we read and we're wondering, how can... Just think about this. What was God trying to show us within that? Because that's all it's really coming down to. He wants you to learn how merciful he is. He wants you to know how he thinks about you. He wants you to know that he's all powerful. He wants you, all of this stuff. He just wants to show you another thing about him. That's what he's doing. And we take it to mean a lot of different things. But all he's saying is, let me show you something else about me. Let me show you something else about me. So in that particular case, he is saying, let me watch y'all watch Moses go through the whole plea, And I'm going to say, OK, what does that mean when Moses go through that? And I say, OK, Moses, I'll do it. It means I'm a good God. It means I'm a merciful God. It means I'm a gracious God. And I need y'all to see that. But it wasn't because I was changing my mind. It wasn't because he changed something through his prayer. No, 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 no. I'm letting all of this unfold so my children, them that I love and created, can know more about me. Every day they wake up, I want them to know more about me. Everything they do, I want them to know more about me. Because to have the best relationship you can possibly have with the one that's closest to you is to keep knowing more about them. And so God is into relationship with us. And the more we know him, the better our relationship would be with him. So all the other stuff, let's just call them all byproduct. All the stuff that we like to hear and we like to think about and we like to say what God is going to, they're all byproduct because all God care about is know me and know me as deep as you can. You go in the book of Acts, <laughs> I teased Brother Reed out the other day, because him and I, he oh, man, he just loved the one God stuff, and I just, I'm right there with him. And so we were just going back and forth on that. And I said, Brother Reed out, we're so crazy, because if we really study the book of Acts, go watch every sermon that was preached. Go read every sermon that was preached in the book of Acts. Jesus, the Almighty God, he started out in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. In Pentecost, we say Acts chapter 2, verse 38 is the most important text. In my studying of the word of God, Acts chapter 2, verse 36 is the most important, not Acts chapter 2, verse 38. (laughs) Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that that Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ. He just wants you to know him. When, he, when, when Peter said that to them, what did they say? Oh, no. What must we do? Because they were pricked in their heart. They realized we did crucify God, the one who created everything and came in flesh. We crucified him. Oh, no. We're in trouble. Peter, how do we get out of this trouble? Then Acts chapter 2, 38 come, Repent, be baptized, every one of you. So we always put the cart before the horse. And he's saying, no, I want you to know me. Go back to, I stand at the door and knock. <laughs> I'm knocking. If, if you will let me in and sup with me, and then I sup with you, then we got something going. It's all about that. So when you read your Bible from now on, that's all you should be thinking about, that that's there because God wants to show us something else about him that we didn't know. (laughs) Woo! This is what I mean by some of the, Traditional things that Christian know, some of the stuff that they'll hear, it'll mess them up. And I take my time, I take my time with you. I try to introduce you to things slowly, little by little, because I want you to see it and not just think, I'm telling you some crazy things and all your life you've been believing this and now all of a sudden I'm talking some crazy stuff. No, I won't talk crazy to you, I'll let you see it. Prayer affects others. Obviously we can intercede But I always like to say it this way. God wants your daughter saved more than you want her saved. God wants your son saved more than you want him saved. Because you didn't die for your son. You didn't die for your daughter. But Christ died for them. So he wants them saved more than you. But it's okay for you to express to him how badly you want to see them saved. It's okay. God, I know you want to see my son saved. But Lord, how can I be of help to you to help lead them to you? to help guide them into a relationship with you. How can I be of help, Lord, that we can help them to get on the right track? That's intercessory. If, if you listen to some of us, traditional Pentecostal, and Lord, I even prayed this way, and Lord, I pray that you put up a roadblock. Lord, get in their way so they don't go in the wrong direction. So they all know in absolute... All powerful. He don't know how to reach them, huh? We gotta tell him how to reach them. <laughs> Woo! We gotta tell him how to reach his people that he died for, okay? All right. I think I might stop right here. I'm taking my time. Because I'm getting ready to change gears, and to change gears. Is going to take a little bit of work. So next week we'll pick up the nine steps to guaranteed prayer success. Um, somebody get your Bible for me. Let me show you something before we close out. At, no, no, no. Matthew chapter 6. Verse number seven. When you get it, read it out loud for me. Go ahead. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, when you pray, use not vain repetition. Go ahead. As the sinners do. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, so the, the heathens think they will be heard by their much speaking. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Woo! Your father know what things you have need of before you ask him. So that's where we're going to stop tonight. If your father know everything you have need of before you ask him then how should you pray Any questions No <laughs> Jesus you alone are worthy of all the praises You alone are worthy of all the honor and all the glory. We thank you tonight for your word. Lord, help us now to process what we've heard. Lord, will you give us understanding now of what we've just heard? Lord, we seriously and sincerely want to implement the things of the kingdom in our life. We just don't want to be idle, Lord God. We don't want to be traditional and just live according to our tradition and lord we appreciate those that have taught us but even though they've taught us lord god in some areas they may not have been clear and that's what they were taught but lord i ask tonight that you'll give us true re- revelation according to what you want us to understand and know i pray lord god that we will become doers as you help us to understand the word of god and not just hear us Teach us how to pray. Teach us, O God, the ways of God. Allow us to learn the ways and who you are so we can implement them, Lord God. I pray, Father, that the power of God will continue to just work within us, Lord. We want your power to work in us. We want your power to strengthen us. We want your power, Lord God, to reign in us, O mighty God, that we can be a people, Lord God, that you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for allowing us to gather here. We pray, Lord God, that as we go from this place, you will keep us and guide us and protect us until we come together again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.